Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Turn to Genesis 29. Genesis 29. I'm so thankful you all made the effort to be here. Uh, I believe the Lord's going to reward you for that. Genesis 29, and this is where Jacob uh, went to Laban's, and Laban had some daughters, and Jacob saw Rachel. No, was it Rachel? Yeah, Jacob saw Rachel, and Jacob loved her and wanted to marry her. And Laban, Rachel's daddy, said, all right, work for me for seven years and you can have Rachel, my daughter. And we pick up here Genesis 29, verse 20. Genesis 29. I'll wait till they put it up on the screen. It said, Jacob served Laban seven years for Rachel. And those seven years seemed unto him but a few days. For are because of the love he had for her. It's amazing what love will motivate you to do. Seven, hard, seven years of hard labor, sun up to sun down, seemed like a few days. Why? Why wasn't it a drag? Why wasn't it like, oh, I have to go to work again? Why? Because, for, or for or because the love he had for her. What's going to keep us steady, committed to God, working for Him, serving Him when we're tired? What's going to keep us going forward with the things of God in these last days when we're tired, it hurts, uh, the blessings maybe seem to be on pause? Or What's going to keep us committed when the pastor preaches a sermon that we didn't agree with? Well, hopefully you're in church for more than the pastor because your pastor's not perfect. And if you ever find out about some imperfections in my life, it might shake you away from God's will for your life. So don't ever... Number one, let's do these things like pray, read our Bibles, go to church, walk in love, tithe, give offerings, first and foremost because of our love for the Lord. Let's always remind ourselves that the reason I'm doing these things in my Christianity is because I love the one who wants me to do these things. Then when the blessings seem to be on pause, or then when other you know, people don't, you know, they persecute you for doing it, or you don't want to do it, or you know, going to church. Oh, my kids don't want to go to church anymore, so I don't go to church anymore. So you're going to ki- church for your kids, huh? We should be going to church because the one we love said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It needs to come back to a love issue. A couple of reasons. You know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that there's an hour of temptation coming on the whole world that's going to try everyone who dwells on the face of the earth. What's going to keep us strong during that hour of temptation? And it's not a physical hour, but it's a season. What's going to keep us strong when this hour of temptation hits the earth in full swing? Our love for God. What's going to cause us to overcome? The title of this series is Committed for Love. And I think they have that little JPEG up there. Um, you know, the new one I sent you today, though, had more on it than that. I guess you guys didn't get it in the email. 
but it's basically the greatest motive for overcoming anything is love. You know, like overcoming temptation, overcoming pressure to not do what the Lord wants us to do. There's, there's no greater motive to win in life over anything than love. I'm thankful for the blessings, but the blessings are not as great as the blesser, our love for him. I thank God. But what, what if for some reason God said, I want you to sacrifice your blessing? You know, like he told Isaac, you know, all right, I blessed you with Isaac. I want him back. I want you to give him to me. Take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him. Abraham's amazing. He didn't even bat an eyelash. He went up there, took the knife, got ready to come down on his child. And the angel said, stop. See, sometimes God just wants you willing to do anything for him, not necessarily actually following through. He just wants you willing to do it. I remember one time Kenneth Hagin was being dealt with by the Lord to do something. And for weeks he struggled with it and finally said, Okay, Lord, all right, I'll do what you want me to do. And God said, You don't have to do it. I just wanted you to be willing to do it. How many know God wants us willing to do anything for him? Even if he doesn't require it of us. It keeps you in an unstuck mode of serving him and just, Lord, I'll do anything. And when Carla and I, before we got married, we talked and I said, Carla, and she totally agreed. I said, Carla, I need you to tell you, I got the call of God in my life. It may take us to Africa. It may take us to Hong Kong. It may take us to New York City. It may take us to Hawaii. (laughs) It may take us Nowhere. It may say, stay right where you're at. I said, I just want you to know, I, I got a call of God in my life because I need to be willing to do anything the Lord wants me to do. If I'm going to hear from Him correctly, if I'm going to you know, be in the, you know, the love exchange with God properly, and it just has to be that way. So, love was the reason Jacob stayed committed in his work. Can you see that? Love. Love for Rachel. We're talking about love for God. But love for Rachel kept Jacob committed for seven years, and to him those seven years seemed like a few days. Whew. Love turns manual labor into, I want to do this. Love was the reason Jacob overcame laziness, tiredness. Love was the reason he did the uncomfortable. What's going to keep us in these areas? Love, love for God. And I'm not saying we don't love him if we mess up in these areas. I'm saying we, need, we should remind ourselves of this love before we mess up. All right, so turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30 in verse 19 through 21 out of the NLT. And we looked at this one last week, so I'm sure you have it back there. So I told you this last week. I said that um, there was a guy in a congregation that heard his pastor preach one day and said, I don't agree with what he said, but I'm not going to let any pastor or preacher run me away from my church. I thought that was really good. Because, you know, your, your pastor, your preacher, the teacher may say something that ruffles your feathers at times, but that, that can't be a reason to go, leave a place where God told you to go. Um, so in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 through 21, out of the NLT, can you guys please put that up on the screen? The NLT. Okay, so this is the Lord talking to the children of Israel, but we can get a lot out of it here. Look at this. He said, today I've given you the choice, God said, between life and death. Interesting. That blows the 
the theory out of the water that, you know, everything that happens is God's will. No, he puts some things in our, our court. He said, I, I give you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. God said, now I call heaven and earth to witness this, the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So just remember again, parents, the choices you make for God or not for God will overflow and affect your children. It's not just about you. It's about you and your kids and the choices you make. Next verse. God says you can make this choice of life by loving the Lord your God. How many want to choose life? How do you practically do that? You choose to love the Lord your God, obey Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you'll live, a long, you'll live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Is it profitable to love God? Is it? I mean, how many think it's awesome that God loves us? And that's where it starts. We love Him because He first loved us. But it, that's not where it's supposed to end. Oh, Pastor, we don't need to hear about loving God. We just need to hear about God loving us. I had somebody actually tell me that one time. They got mad at the revelation that God gave us. I love God more. The answer to temptation. In other words, we love God more than the pull to do something we know we shouldn't do. And they, they were talking to us, and I felt for them because I knew they didn't see it, and I knew that they were being clouded and, and maybe you know, hearing things that were trying to sway them away. But the Bible has a lot to say about loving Him. I love sermons on God loves me. But I also want to know a little bit about how to love Him. All right, let, let's just let's back up. Let's back up a few years. Genesis 1. <laughs> a few 6,000 years. Genesis chapter 1, Adam and Eve are walking with God in the cool of the day. Now we talked about this, but for a little review, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Everything was great. I mean, no sin, no curse, no devil, everything is paradise, it's powerful. They were made to live forever physically. They weren't supposed to die. Everything was wonderful. They had access to the stars, the Bible says. They, I mean, you know, they, they, eventually they were able to get there. And, and it said that in the middle of this awesome love relationship that God had with man, Adam decides one day to love his wife more than God. And today we're in a fallen world. Interesting. Eve said, honey, I got this fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The serpent said it's going to make us wise. We're going to be like God. They were already like God. The devil is such a liar. And, and the devil said, you know, uh, the serpent said, take this. And, and so she took it. And the Bible says the woman was deceived, but Adam wasn't. Interesting. So why did Adam do something the Lord told him not to do? And he wasn't even deceived about it, though his wife was. Interesting, huh? Did you know all the love of God toward Adam wasn't enough to just override him so he would make all right decisions? His love for God needed to kick in that day. 
Just a revelation that God loves you is not everything we need, or why would there be scriptures that talk about loving Him? Some people think if you just hear enough about God loves you, you'll just automatically, something will automatically take you over. You'll have no responsibility at all. Something will automatically put you into the zone of loving God. If it didn't happen to Adam, it's probably not going to happen to us. I think we should focus on the love of God a thousand times more, maybe. But it's still not going to make us love Him back in times of temptation. We're still going to have to choose to love Him. Because if you look at it the other way, then it's God's fault. His love toward us is the fault that we're messing up. And that's not the fault. He loves us perfectly. But people still have to love Him back. Um, I want you to turn to... Why don't you go to uh, John 14? And I'll read you a couple things while you're turning to John 14. And for the booth back there, it's verse 21 and 23. Um, So let me say this again. What's going to keep us committed to going to church when our kids don't want to go anymore? Well, hopefully our reason for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is a little deeper than, well, if my kids want to, I will obey the Lord. If my kids don't want to, I'm not going to obey the Lord anymore. You know, I am, you know, this is where you, you find out who and what you love the most. Jesus said that one of the number one areas you have to watch out about is loving your family more than God like Adam did. And there's, there's, it's just so sad to see people trying to love their family without loving God first. They're just so limited they can't even help their family properly because they don't have, they don't have God on their side by putting Him first. See, people think, well, you, I don't know if I like Christianity. They say, Jesus said, you got to love uh, him more than you love your children or your wife or your, well, duh, if you're not hooked up with him first, how are you going to help your kids when your power fails? When you're, when you're limited in your ability to help, you better be having God first in your life or you're not going to be able to help your family like you, they need help at times. I mean, when God says he wants to be first, it's for our own benefit. It's so we're hooked up with his power when we need more than what we can produce. And, um, you know, we, we, well, let me just read this to you. Um, we stay committed to God when we're tired because we love Him. And don't get me wrong, if you're super tired, He wants you to rest. He, he's not unreasonable. Um, when the blessings feel like they're on hold, why do we stay committed? Well, because we've decided to love Him. And, and you know, I thought this was interesting, but God's definition of love through, through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he lists all these characteristics of love and not once did he even get close to saying love had anything to do with a feeling. It may produce some feelings, but in and of itself, love has nothing to do with feelings. It's deeper than that. I hope feelings aren't your boss because they are a terrible boss. <laughs> People say, oh, I just feel this. Well, what about if the feelings aren't there? I mean, I've had people tell me the reason they are not staying married with their... And Christians, born again, spirit-filled. The reason, they said, the reason why I'm not staying married to this person because I just don't feel happy anymore with them. I mean, you want to shake them and slap them and say, grow up, but, you know, you can't do that. you got to be nice and kind and not be, you know... It's like... I mean, it's, it's just as ridiculous 
to get divorced because you don't have feelings for your spouse as it is to get married because you do. Are you following me? I said it's just as stupid to get divorced because you don't have feelings for your spouse anymore. It's just as stupid as to get married because you do have feelings for them. Man, there better be more than feelings on wedding day. Oh my goodness. I mean, newsflash, feelings come and feelings go. Love is way more about devotion than emotion. And Paul never even gets close to saying love has anything to do with the feeling. It's way deeper than that. All right. So uh, what's going to keep us? Well, I'll read those later. Let's go to John 14. And let me just talk for a couple minutes about the benefit part of loving God. Now, we know it's the right thing to do. We know it's, you know, the thing that's going to keep us steady in all of our commitments. But let, let me just show you about five scriptures before we're done about what loving God will do for you. I mean, there's some things that you get in line with when you actually love him back that if you don't love him back, you're not in line for things that he wants to bring your way. So John 14, 21, let's look at verse 21 and 23. Jesus is teaching. He says, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. How do you know you love the Lord? Not by your feelings. All right. He that has my commandments and keeps them is the one that loves me. It's kind of like Jacob again. You know, we've got some people going, oh, just the commandments of the Lord are so hard. Well, Jacob had hard work, but it would seem like a few days because of his love for Rachel. Maybe we need to quit thinking about the duty part of this and start asking and reminding ourselves, the whole reason I'm doing this is because I love him. So he that has my commandments and keeps them is the one that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father. Well, I thought, wait a minute. I thought God so loved the world. He does. But there's some things his love can't do for people until they're loving him. How many of you know you just can't love anybody the way you want to without them wanting your love and loving you back? <laughs> Ding, Right? And this scripture says, listen, if you're going to open up to God and you're going to love him, you're going to be able to get some things from the love of God other people don't get. Because God is not just going to push love in people's lives. They got to want him. And he says, you'll be the ones that love me by having my commandments and doing them. They're going to be loved to my father. Anybody want to know what that's all about on a higher level? How does it come? Not just him loving you. You loving him. And he says, and he said, Jesus said, I will love him. Well, I thought the Lord loved everybody. He does, but there's more of his love he wants to shower on us. And he can't unless we're in this love relationship with him. Just like you guys that are married can't share that same love with other people. Unless you're in a covenant where they said, I'm going to love you back. It's, it's, we so understand it in the natural. And then Jesus said, I will love him. Oh, and he said, I will manifest myself to the one that loves me, not just the one I love. You can't just manifest all aspects of your love to somebody who doesn't love you back. Are you following me? And so really, loving God is, is great for God, it's great for our commitments, but it's great for us. 
Look at verse 23. Same chapter, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will have the most amazing feelings. No, that's not what it said. You might have amazing feelings, but that's not the sure core evidence that you love. If you love me, you'll keep my words, and my Father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him. Isn't that amazing? Um, you know, the Bible says that we're married to another, even Christ, if you're a born-again Christian. This is marriage talk here. If you want real intimacy with God, spiritually speaking, then don't just look at His love for you. Love Him back. So He can give you more intimacy in times of fellowship. And so one benefit of loving God is more manifestations of Jesus in your life. He's able to reveal more to us when we're in this love covenant with Him. The Lord can't manifest everything about Himself to just anyone. He can only manifest certain parts of His self to people who love Him and have entered into that covenant with Him. You can't manifest everything to someone you're not married to. Um, there's some areas of love you can't give to others you don't, that don't love you back. And we know that in the area of marriage. So, for time's sake, I want you to um, go to Matthew 24 before we go to number 2 here. Do you realize God will not force His love on those who don't want it? It's not His style. Never has been, never will be. <clears throat> I wanted to show you this here in Matthew 24, verse 12. Um, this is a little bit of a kind of a side journey but I had to get it in here Jesus said in the last days because iniquity would abound or sin or lawlessness or perversion would abound because of that in the last days how many know iniquity is abounding you're looking at that you see that out there iniquity is abounding he said because of that the love of many is going to wax cold This is said to us to forewarn us so we'd be forearmed. There's going to be an attack on our love for God in the last days. The word love here is agape. It's only only the kind of love that believers have in their heart. So he's talking about believers in the last day slipping into iniquity because their love for God is waxing cold. And really, a good way to say that is many will stop being committed to living right in the last days same thing as your love waxing cold. And I believe one of the reasons the Lord's having me share this is because our love's going to be challenged. Our love for God is going to be challenged. And this scripture here forewarns us, so we'll be forearmed. And so we will make sure that in our prayer time and throughout the day, we're constantly reminding ourselves, I love God more than anything or anyone. No matter how strong the poles get, no matter how strong the temptations get, I love God more than anything and anyone. And it's good to say it. But it's really good to do it, right? I mean, say it. I love God more. I love, we had the, the bracelets. I love God more to remind us in the heat of the temptation, looking at our bracelet. I love God more. No, I'm not going that direction. Temptation comes to everybody. What's going to keep us steady? 
Well, one of the biggest, greatest motives is love for God. Go to Romans 8, 28, quickly, because we've got to wrap it up here. I'm going to try to get through these other four scriptures real quick. Number one, the benefit of loving God is more manifestations of Jesus in your life. Number two, Romans 8, 28. Anybody remember this famous scripture? Paul said, by the Holy Spirit, we know that all things work together for good. Woo! How many of you like that promise? There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says God turns the curse into a blessing. Awesome! How many want Him to turn bad things into good things for you? How does it happen? I heard a preacher, well known. I mean, I've said some dumb things too. I mean, I've said some things I've repented for publicly. And, um, but I heard a preacher not too long ago say, he quoted this scripture like this. All things work together for good for those whom God loves. I thought, really? That ain't what my Bible says. All things do not work together good for everybody. All things do not work together for good just because God loves people. That is a misquote of Scripture. All things do not work together for good for everybody. What's the group of people all things work together for good for? Huh? What's the group of people? Huh? Them that love Him! Them that love Him! Why? Because you're in the flow. You're in position. If everybody, if this worked for everybody then everybody would have this happening to them. And it's not happening. There's some things that are destroying people. There's no good in it at all. It killed people. It destroyed families. It destroyed people. There was no all things working together for good in those people's lives. But what's the key? We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Just say it. I love God more than anything or anyone. And therefore, all things work together for good, for me. And I'm also called according to His purpose. Interesting. Well, if you want all things to work together for good, you can't just think that's going to happen automatically because He loves you. You've got to show some love to Him. Number three, Psalm 91, verse 14. I prayed about this one this evening. I was a little bit like, Lord, I need some revelation on this. I said, this kind of sounds like, you know, we have to work for the help of God. And it's not true. We don't have to work for the help of God. You have to get in line with the help of God. You following me? You don't have to work for the salvation of God, but you've got to get in line with the salvation of God. Right? It's kind of like your shower. You turn the water on. It's not works. You just have to get under the spout where the water's coming out if you want to get wet. The water's flowing. It's not work. You don't have to work for water. It's coming out. Just get in line if you want to get wet. Get under the spout where the blessing's coming out. That's not work. That's just getting in line. Psalm 91, verse 14. You ready? I don't know if you guys are. God is speaking here, and He says, Because He, whoever, has set His love upon me, therefore I will deliver Him. I'll set Him on high because He has known my name. One translation says, Because He has set His love upon me, I'll rescue Him. Because He has set His love, because He loves me, I will save Him. Now what's all this about? You mean, God, you're not going to save me unless I love you? That's not what He's saying. He's saying, If you want my love... The only way you can get it is if you're in that love flow. 
Let me read how the Lord gave it. When you enter into a love relationship with God, you become a recipient of more of His love. You can't do things for people if they keep turning away from your help. And so I thought, you know, that's, that's a pretty heavy scripture that, you know, people say, well, you mean he's not going to save me if I don't love him? That's not even the issue. You're not getting in line with his love if you don't love him. All right. Want to see the third, uh, next scripture? Fourth, James 1. James chapter 1 and verse 12. James 1. What's another benefit of us loving the Lord? Now remember, does anybody remember what, how we love the Lord? How we know we love the Lord? We have His commandments and we do them. And His commandments aren't grievous. Tell the devil to shut up. Oh, you got to do all these commandments. It's basically two. It's basically two commandments that sum up everything. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another like He loves you. That sums it up, man. I mean, if you're walking in love, you're not going to covet your neighbor's stuff. You're not going to steal. You're not going to kill. You're not going to take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You're not going to dishonor your mom and dad. If you're walking in love, you're going to keep all those Ten Commandments. I'll tell you right now, walking by faith and walking in love is a full-time job. <laughs> and it is the New Testament commandment. Wait a minute, Pastor, you said two things. You said believe and love. That's two things. Well, it's like a coin. One coin, two sides. It's called the New Testament commandment, singular. But it's plural in the fact that there's two sides. All right, so James chapter 1. I don't know if you guys are liking this or not, but this is amazing. James 1, look at verse 12. The Holy Spirit through James says blessed. Now, blessed means super happy. All right, that's my best definition after all the Greek that I've read. Super happy is the man or woman that says no to temptation, endures it, doesn't give in. Okay, could you stop there before you read the rest of it? This is so interesting. The devil's saying, if you give in to this, you're going to be really happy. God says if you don't give in to it, you're going to be really happy. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? I mean, you're going to have the devil right there saying, you don't do this, you are not going to be happy, you are missing out, you are going to be ripped off. And we got God saying, no, if you don't give in, you're going to be super happy, blessed. So basically it comes down, who are you going to believe? The devil working for your, through your flesh and desires are God in his word, which usually has, a lot of times has no feelings connected with it at all. Blessed or super happy is the man that says no to temptation. For when he or she is tried, and you will be, and you don't give in, you don't give in, <laughs> you're going to get a lot more than going for a stupid little temptation would give you. You're going to get the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love Him. Interesting how He says loving Him is, over, is not giving in the temptation. 
That's why we say, I love God more. My answer to temptation. Temptation comes knocking. Hey, come on, let's go do these things. Remember we used to party this way? Remember we used to do this and we used to do that? Come on, let's go have a good time. And the reason we say no is what? Because pastor said I better say no. No, because I'm a goody-goody Christian and goody-goody Christians don't do that. No, because it's my religion. No, the reason we say no to this temptation is because we love the one who doesn't want us going that direction. I mean, come on, he sweat as it were great drops of blood for us. We can hurt a little in the flesh by saying no to a temptation once in a while. Sometimes you just got young people that, you know, that get all these temptations in school and, and all the peer pressure that comes their way and all the junk that's coming their way these days. I just want our young people to be able to say, you know what? Listen, uh, I'm not going with you to that party because I know what you guys do there. And I'm not, and I'm not, not going because I'm a goody, goody Christian. I'm not going because I love the Lord. And the things you're doing there are not pleasing to my God, and I love Him. Might even see some revival if you start talking like that. Why don't you want to go do these things? Because I love the Lord, okay? It's not because I'm a little religious freako Christian. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I think we need to make a whole new batch of the wristbands, Carla. I love God more. <laughs> I mean, come on, this is, this is what it's all about. I really believe one of the number one reasons one of the number one things that's happening on this earth right now is we're all being tested to see who and what we love the most in these short years that we're here. This scripture says that not giving in to temptation is an I love God issue. Right? Put it back on the screen real quick because we have to close. Blessed is the man that endures temptation for when he's tried he shall receive the crown of life. So what does he mean? Blessed is the man that endures temptation. This is the one that loves him. See that? The, the crown of life is, is, is amazing, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So he's saying those that love him are the ones that say no to temptation. Well, the ones that say yes to temptation love temptation and pleasure more than the one who said don't do that. The Bible says in the last days, one of the signs of the times is men would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Notice the key words, more than. There's a lot of people that love God, but they love other things more than Him. Are you following? A lot of people say, well, I love God. Yeah, but do you love something or someone more? Paul said, Demas, my friend, my companion, forsook me, having loved this present world. I mean, somebody who was with the Apostle Paul whew, and decided to go to Vegas instead and say, I'm done with this ministry stuff. I'm going to get all the good times I can get before I'm gone. Not realizing it's total deception. So finally, one more scripture. And then we'll close. Let's make this really quick because it's already time. In 1 Corinthians 8, 3. How many of you want happiness, abundant life, and a crown? Then it comes from loving the Lord. All right, next, next last verse, 1 Corinthians 8, uh, 1 through 3. If any man, oh, there it is, verse 3. If any man love God, the same is known of him. Interesting. If any man love God, the same is known of him. Amplified Classic Bible says this, AMPC says, If anyone loves God truly, with affectionate reverence, prompt obedience, and grateful recognition of his blessing, 
he is known by God, recognized as worthy of his intimacy and love, and he is owned by him. If we love God through affectionate reverence, prompt obedience, and grateful recognition, we're known by God, recognized as worthy of his intimacy and love. J.B. Phillips says this, For whatever a man may know, he still has a lot to learn. But if he loves God, he's opening his whole life to the Spirit of God. Interesting. Actually, known of him is actually an intimacy word between husband and wife. If any man loved God, you know where it says in the scripture, Adam knew his wife Eve and they bare children? Knew? No? This scripture, if any man loved God, the same is known of him. And it makes sense, doesn't it? There's some things you're not going to do with somebody unless you're married to them. Areas of intimacy. Same thing with God. Just because he loves us doesn't mean we can just know everything about him and his love. We've got to love him back. All right, let's stand up and we'll be dismissed. Say this with me before you leave. Heavenly Father, I love you. I'm open to more revelation. As I leave this place, expound to me what it means to love you back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.